a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's really profound. Very Standing reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, a very special one, we have Kiera Lifridge comes by and talks to us about the Zen Elephant. She also uh, tells us about her book that she's written, How to Get a Peaceful Life and Keep It That Way. She's got some herbal medicine book coming out. Guys, uh, incredible. She tells us about the Zen Elephant tribe. We talk about shifting perspective, uh, protecting your energy while she while you sleep, actually. And she has a wonderful story about that. So it's crazy cool. Uh, plant spirit medicines, her UFO contact, and UFOs in general. Uh, this is a wonderful conversation. You guys are absolutely going to adore her. She's got some incredible insight to offer and this is great. So you guys are going to love it. So before we get to that, let's talk about expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is going to be where links to all socials are found. Rockfin for premium content over on the website as well. Sign up to become an expansive insider. Uh, Dave Zed and I from Generation Z are doing a series that is up over there. Got to be an expansive insider to check it out. It's unbelievable. Plus a bunch of bonus stuff. Um, and it just keeps stacking. We've got a lot of really cool things to be excited about. So go check it out. Linked in the show notes. Down there as well, check out our affiliates. You've got Food Forest Abundance for sure. If you would like to start your own podcast, my Libsyn link is down there. I believe you get two months free. And then also, if you're going to buy any damn thing at all on Amazon, check out our Amazon link. It, it's something you were going to buy anyway, but it helps the show. So there you go, guys. Uh, that should do it for this. Now let's get to this incredible conversation with Kiera Lifridge. Welcoming to the show, we have Kiera Lifridge. How are you today? Hi, I am amazing. How are you doing today? Every day above ground is a wonderful day. I truly mean that because I truly feel that way. Uh, you, of course, run uh, the Zen Elephant, and it is so cool. I found you on TikTok. We started talking then. I am a big proponent of uh, TikTok in the way that uh, the algorithm really suits me. Uh, I have found that it is awesome, and I there's hardly anything on there that pops up on my feed uh, that I'm not a fan of. So when you popped up, I was just like, yep, makes sense. You're amazing. And then I uh, started diving into your videos and your content. And I was just like, I, I got to get you on to talk to you. So, uh, for my audience, so that doesn't know too much about you. Uh, let us know just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. So I am literally every aspect of a healer. I'm a massage therapist, um, Reiki master. I do a lot of different types of energy healing actually and a mindfulness life coach, um, an herbalist. So it's like the mind, body, spirit, all-encompassing part of being a healer. Yeah. Well, you need it all. It's a well-rounded perspective that you have for sure, and you just do some amazing things. You're, you're like me in the sense that you integrate quite a few uh, amazing concepts into wrapped up into your one paradigm. So we're going to talk about those today because it's just so cool. So uh, a movement of uh, conscious creation and inner peace. So what made you want to start the Zen Elephant Tribe? Tell me about that. 
So the Zen tribe, I feel like it all really stemmed out of my own healing journey that I've been on for about seven or eight years now. So I just feel like it's that all encompassing um, project of healing. So I'm using all of the same things that I used to heal and just having it available for other people and teaching people what I have learned along my journey and my perspectives as they've shifted over the years and things like that. So it really is just a movement about finding your inner peace, healing your inner child, healing all types of wounds, you know, and really just reemerging and embodying your true self, you know, becoming the highest version of yourself. So. I love that. That is something I focus on and it is a goal for myself constantly. I'm uh, very mindful of that every interaction you have is an opportunity for you to be a greater, grander version of yourself. And what's nice about this is that when you uh, embark on that journey, it is something that completely changes you. It shifts your perspective, which is something that you're really into as well. Now, I'm a big fan of perception is everything. It definitely creates your reality. And I think that there's a deeper ocean of information in just that one understanding. So uh, tell me about um, how what made you realize that that was probably something uh, you felt as well? Um, I feel like my experiences, really, I just got to a point to where I knew that something had, something was changing in the air. That's how I felt. And it just felt like um, I had to be in a better place. And I just knew that there had to be a lot of different ways to get there. And so I feel like just by me having that thought alone, it really just opened up the pathway for me to actually receive all of these different, um, a lot of different information and a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different practices. And it's been, it's been an amazing journey. And I just feel like it's so limitless because you never get to the end because there's always something more. (laughs) So, yeah. That, that's what's interesting about this whole damn thing is that, yeah, it never ends. And somebody asked me one time, uh, you know, when does when is your when is your spiritual awakening over? And I was like, well, when do you plan on taking your last breath? Because that's right. pretty much you know, <laughs> what you're in for with this. Uh, so, you know, the perspective shift is interesting. So was there a catalyst or was this a slow point with you? Was there one particular either topic or instance that you can remember where it was just like, and I'm different now? Oh, yes. It was actually after my dad passed away and it just opened up the floodgates of everything. That's when I started getting um, a lot of my spiritual experiences, you know, just being able to hear his footsteps around the house, being able to um, kind of see spirits. And that's what triggered it for me. And it just led me down this whole path that I knew existed, but I didn't know anything about and I had no reason to embark upon it because it wasn't directly involved in my life. So um, because of that, it really led me down the whole path of um, realizing that I'm clear audience and I can see, you know, spirit sometimes and just picking up on energy, being more becoming more sensitive to energy. And that's definitely what started it. (laughs) It's a good, yeah, loss is a great motivator. And I, my condolences on your loss, darling, honestly. Uh, now, was your father uh, spiritually enlightened? Was he into this kind of stuff? He was very open-minded. We used to watch a lot of conspiracy theories, you know, like documentaries together and things like that. So I really um, learned from him to always keep an open mind. And yeah, so he wasn't super spiritual, 
but he was open to hearing about it, open to learning about it. So that's pretty much where I get it from too. So I actually have that on my side. (laughs) It's it's incredible. And then too, um, for him to be such a motivator for you in the way of open mind, that's where you got your perception shift right there. I mean, that concept alone, just be open-minded. Like don't shoot down ideas right away because you don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It it seems like you were also given a second gift after he passed by him, which was to be illuminated to these type of concepts where really you just wanted to find out more. I mean, I'm sure there was a part of you that wanted to know kind of, you know, where'd he go? Um, do you have any comfortable answers on that? Yeah. So I remember um, very soon after he passed, he didn't really go too far. You know, I was feeling him all the time. It was actually this one incident where, because he was kind of a clean freak, right? So he would get triggered by even just like one thing in the sink. And I was leaving a spoon in the sink and I kind of went to turn around and leave it there. And I just heard a cabinet kind of like, like (laughs) kind of smack into itself. And I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. You don't have any control about this anymore. You know, you're not physically here. So it's kind of like a joke. And he's around all the time. He's honestly a huge presence. Um, He's always around when I get um, card readings done. He's, always around. He's an amazing spirit guide. And he's always there. Like if I asked him to show up in a dream, I need to talk to you about something, he will show up. So it's our connection hasn't left. It's actually gotten a lot stronger, I think. So it's pretty cool. I was about to say that sounds so amazing. Because yeah, it sounds like you're closer than ever. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. I'm, I'm grateful that you've got that connection. Uh, so what part of your perception shifting uh, does shadow work play? Mm. So I used to have extreme anxiety and I dealt a lot with depression and my mind was all over the place. And it was to the point where I would get freaked out when I walked outside. It just felt like everyone was staring at me and I never really fit in. So it was a lot of these childhood things that I really had to overcome. And I felt like I needed to go to a deeper place because I knew it had to stem from somewhere before I even realized it had to do with my childhood in the first place. So that's really how my shadow work um, really started. And it's been, been an intense journey, but I feel like the more you embark upon your own shadow work, journey you really come to this realization that one you're not alone and there's just there's so much support whether it be from this physical realm or even the spiritual realm and a lot of the times that's where i would receive my comfort from you know just being around all of my spirit guys and just knowing like my angels and just knowing that they're like i'm always being led to something better i'm always being led to discover something more about myself that um obviously i didn't know was there and (laughs) Just the whole healing journey in general. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. Uh, so the word, the words, uh, shadow work rather, uh, are thrown around quite a bit, but I'm not sure. That people seem to have different definitions or interpretations of that. So I'm honestly just curious for uh, continuity's sake here. Uh, what is your definition or how do you think about or articulate to other people shadow work? Mm, I always say that it has something to do with healing the deepest and most darkest parts of yourself that sometimes people just don't want to face, you know, it's your shadow. So it's like a lot of people don't want to confront it because sometimes it has to deal with a lot of shame, a lot of fear, sadness, you know, um, just a lot of very repressed feelings and emotions and experiences. 
And it's like, these are the things that hold the key to such a great transformation within yourself. And it's like, these are, you know, some of the most monumental lessons that you need to learn in life. So it's like when people don't deal with these things, you just end up repeating these same cycles and kind of adding on to the shadow when you could just kind of, you know, dive deep, go all in, nip it up, butt, and, you know, just come out a whole brand new person. And of course, it takes time. But I feel like shadow work, and it's a lot deeper than sometimes people make it seem, you know. Yeah, one of the ways I've got a good friend, uh, Christopher, the Astro Medium, and I believe the first time he was on my show, uh, he was talking about this metaphor of that you're basically like underwater and the things holding you down or the things you need to deal with um, are like chains or strings and holding you down and weighing you underwater. And every time you dive into shadow work, every time you heal a part of yourself, you release one of those chains and ascend a little bit higher. So you're that closer, right, to freedom, to air, to not struggle. And uh, there's uh, also some people who, you know, uh, you know, this idea of just terminate the ego and get rid of the ego. And I completely disagree with that. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I disagree because I feel like you need aspects of your ego. You know, you can't just get rid of it. I feel like there should just be a balance, you know, like don't let your ego take over too much. And, you know, there has to be balance with everything. We live on a plane of just complete polarity, like, you know, good, bad, beautiful, the ugly, like find your balance. You know, I feel like that's how you truly master being a human being, you know? So that's what I, that's what I think about it. I could not agree more. It is a balance. And then, uh, you know, um, one of the ways I've kind of described it is whenever that ego pops up, you know, it's gotten you to this place and, you know, egos are very necessary for this environment. It helps you survive. It helps you not fall off a cliff or, you know, loud noise that something's coming, you turn around, you're like, oh, I just survived something that if my, you know, instinct to survive hadn't been there, I probably wouldn't. So it's a very necessary tool for this environment. Uh, but also, I completely agree with you that mastering it is very important. Uh, you see this metaphor in Peter Pan, whenever he's chasing his shadow around and he's trying to sew it back on his feet. It, it's that idea that it's not only uh, something else completely, but it's part of you and that you need it to be a part of you. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I did not think about the Peter Pan like that. I haven't seen it in a long time, but that's really good. I didn't notice that before, but I absolutely agree. Yeah, when we needed. I agree. I completely. And so when we talk about shadow work, it's just something I thought of. I was like, yeah, maybe that's why Peter Pan was chasing his shadow around and so obsessed with making sure that it was back because he didn't feel whole until it was back. But that's like a dark, mischievous shadow, you know, side of yourself. Right. But it's still you. It's still very much part of you. So you can't what, cut your nose off to spite your face. Right. Exactly. You got to own it. You got to own it, accept it, face it and really just deal with it because, you know, you can't keep fighting yourself. That's all you're really doing. Anytime anyone is battling with, you know, depression or anything really dark, it's just this constant battle with yourself. And sometimes you just have to let it go and surrender because that's the only way you're going to get through it is if you surrender and face it, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. And everyone has different methods for going about this. So again, just for continuity, because I'm sure my audience is curious for a variety of options here. When something, let's just use an example, when something pops up as far as something that you need to deal with personally in your life, uh, how do you approach that um, part of yourself that you need to heal? I have this whole like self-analysis that I do. And it might be a little, um, I wouldn't say extreme, but I... First of all, take a few deep breaths and I just kind of sit in the meditation. And first I kind of ask myself, you know, why am I being triggered by this? Like, what does this mean? 
you know, where it's a stem from and how many times have I repeated this? I kind of go through all of these, uh, this whole list of things in my head and I journal it out. I kind of just sit in silence. Um, I like to listen to a lot of um, Native American flute music and sometimes it gets me in my, my zone to where I can just kind of center myself because I feel like that's the first thing you really need to do when you're doing any type of self-analysis. You need to center yourself so that you can actually go within and receive the information. So, yeah. And I just kind of look back at older um, past experiences and kind of seeing certain cycles play out. And then I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see how this started. We're going to have to fix this. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, you just got to go within. That's the only way. I could not agree more. And it's interesting because this place is kind of like lessons that you learn are kind of like an instant replay thing to where you really don't get it until you look back at it. It's very challenging to walk into something with innate detail of how a situation is going to turn out or how you feel about something having not experienced it. And so, yes, this is important. It does feel like failure, but really it's not. It's the most valuable way to learn something is to screw it up. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. Can't have success without failure. Like you have to mess up your human. First of all, nobody's perfect. And it's like, in order to experience the light and the glamour of things, you have to, you know, go through and process all of the ugly stuff, you know, the things that make you uncomfortable. So that's what the true lessons are right there. And then you just like reborn and you just keep shedding all of these darker and um, heavier aspects of yourself and really just breaking out of your shell and just becoming this beautiful being of light. And that's how I, it's like, that's how I visualize it. It's awesome. Yeah. Is he- this just working with people like you it's it's because you offer such great insight from a different perspective that's wonderful and it all we're all helping each other you know kind of all just walking each other home right um so but i like your i like your approach i like your method because it is something that in my mind when you were explaining it it's it's very cool you you step back you do the observer thing you're like hang on you know uh like the uh saved by the bell thing when zach was like time out and then everything just kind of <laughs> yeah. stopped right and but i like that approach because rather than sitting in it getting further into it it feels like when something hits you like that whenever you said stay grounded what what came to my mind or i was visualizing as you said that was like if whenever something hits you like this it, it that's what it feels like it hits you and it kind of throws you off balance a little bit or you're back on your heels a little you know in a physical way and it it feels like you've lost your footing and you're not as grounded or stable but what that process that you do tells me will offer you is the ability to do grounding it's you kind of readjust your footing and you go hang on like and then you walk through a process of steps which are an evaluation of how you feel so that right there is not only the first step is realizing it but also being mentally able to walk through a list of why like why do i feel this way where has this popped up in the past so it's a very actionable way to change your life big fan big fan of this absolutely yeah and, you know, trial and error. I had to learn to to get to that space, you know, because I do have a rule and my that rule is to just not spiral. Whatever's happening, whenever you get triggered, whenever something's not going your way, just do not spiral. Don't add to the chaos with your thoughts or your energy in general. Just stop, you know, the first rule. Stop, center yourself, figure it out. If you can't figure it out, that's okay. You know, take a nap. That's all right. Like, listen to some music, find a way to quiet the mind, you know? (laughs) And and it goes back to that great piece of advice that uh, if you don't have to make a decision, don't. Absolutely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just just sit with it. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to feel it. And that's something that a lot of people don't really like doing because it doesn't feel good. And not everything was really meant to feel good when it's a lesson that you're supposed to be learning, you know, whether it be patience or whatever the case may be. But it's better to sit with it. And it actually releases a, a lot quicker when you do. Yeah, it does, because you're you're giving it attention. You're making it feel heard and validated. So there, there's something actually that I've just kind of thought about lately. I'd like to bounce off you if you don't mind. So the way I kind of approach this thing is that you don't deny it. Like a lot of people, exactly to what you just said, it doesn't feel, it's not comfortable uh, to do this and to experience this stuff, but it's very, very necessary if you are on this journey of moving forward. This is what's interesting also about this path. It seems that a lot of instant gratification type folks where they just, you know, and who doesn't, right? I mean, I get it, um, but also it's it's different because we look at it differently and people like, uh, like you and I. And so whenever you uh, look at this and it comes up to you, the way that I've been kind of approaching this mentally lately is to give it attention, like give it your attention, focus on it, say, hey, I'm here, I'm hearing you. It's it's in my mind like a, uh, not to belittle, but like a child or an immature entity that doesn't understand bigger concepts throwing a tantrum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so when you give it the time and you validate it, you listen to it, you go, okay, where are you at? You know, let's, let's speak. Mm -hmm. And then you hear its concerns out and usually it's like, well, I just, you know, and it's, it's got nothing really of substance or any real danger that you're, that you're being presented with. It's just kind of fear, right? Mm -hmm. So the way I like to do it is kind of give it your attention, say, okay, I'm hearing you out. What you got? And usually it just calms down and dissipates. Like it's that easy in my mind. That's the feeling I get from it. And then you uh, sit there and you say, okay, well, look, you, you've done a great job up to this point. You've, I'm, I'm alive. You know, you've gotten me to this point in my journey. Yep. Let's renegotiate how important your role is in keeping our survival going. I think you've done a great job. We're going to operate you in the background, but let's renegotiate how present you are in situations. Do you, what do you think about that? I absolutely agree. <laughs> Just to be um, to be present, I feel like okay. And this is kind of a full circle type of thing that I'm trying to say. So I feel like being present is the key to everything. It's the key to um, your peace of mind, and it really keeps you from again spiraling. But um, going back to like anxiety and depression, these things um, that really do affect people's mental, it all stems from being ungrounded, from not being in the present moment. So once you master being in the present moment, and even if you get led astray from a situation that is uncomfortable, you know that, no, in order for all of this to be solved, I need to be here, mm. you know? So I love this. Yeah, and, and- practice. <laughs> your your concept about not spiraling is huge. God, that's just going to stick with me. There are some things that people say, especially on this show, and uh, this is just kind of journey for me. I just kind of record it for everybody else too. But there are some things that people say that just stick with me, and I, that's a key in my arsenal now. So thank you. It's it's going to oh, remind awesome. me to be present. Well, I think that's like the most important thing. If you can just think those two words, don't spiral whenever things go crazy. Yep. I, I think that that is going to be so beneficial for you to just monitor where you are, stay present, not run from it, but also realize that, okay, this is being presented to you. So you're hyper vigilant in the sense that you're learning a lesson and you're grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. So what role uh, does the practice of gratitude play in your life? Everything. And gratitude changed my life. And once I learned about having a gratitude practice, it... <sighs> 
when I tell you, it felt like blessings were just like raining from the sky every single day because you don't realize how much of a like how powerful the energy of gratitude is. And I feel like a lot of times people don't people don't know how to be grateful for the small things and people kind of disregard the entirety of things that there are to be grateful for. Because, you know, when people say, when you ask someone, what are you grateful for? They normally say, oh, I'm grateful for that I have, you know, running water, I have a house, you know, I have a car, I have a job. And there's so much more to that. Like, I'm grateful for the trees because they provide oxygen. I'm grateful that there's grass. I'm grateful for the flowers. I'm grateful that I have, like, you know, all my fingernails. And I'm grateful that I have, you know, hair, just everything. And, you know, and it just makes you... It just makes you sit back and just kind of look at life like, wow, like just me being here is huge. Like this is huge. Like I'm, I'm a human. I have hands. I'm experiencing life. Like I can walk outside. I can touch things. I can taste things. And it really just makes you sit back in awe at just the entire human experience. So that's where I've been with my gratitude journey. I love it. It is so powerful. I could not agree with you more. Uh, they say that uh, I've heard the statement that gravity is the closest, the highest vibration to divinity that you can get. And mm. when you do embark on a gratitude type of a journey, so I'm, I'm curious about yours because uh, it does change your life. I completely agree. And so I'm so excited that you're so passionate about it as well. Uh, what is, do you mind sharing some of your gratitude practice with us? Sure. So sometimes I have a practice to where I will write down 10 things um, in the morning or just throughout the day that I'm grateful for. And if I don't have paper, then I will just take a few seconds, a few minutes out of my day to just sit there in my car or wherever I am and just recalling all the things that I'm grateful for. And even before I go to sleep, I do the same thing as well. So just to kind of like keep that momentum going. And I feel like when you keep that momentum of gratitude going, the less likely you are to be phased by certain things that happen in daily life you know during the day things that kind of throw you off and it just uh, it shifts your vibration to one that is like almost like unfuckable if you will i love that, <laughs> I love that. yeah you know so yeah well, uh, let, let's combine a couple of these concepts then. So let's say that you are in a situation to where you are now presented with something that we recognize as shadow work or an opportunity to grow and something that you want to address. So let's apply, how would you apply gratitude to that two word don't spiral? Mm, gotcha. Okay. Um, so I've actually had a situation to where I was kind of stressed out at a job, right? And I knew that it was time for me to leave and all of these things. But instead of me just going down the rabbit hole of darkness, you know, just complaining about everything wrong, it's like, you know what? You know, I met a lot of really amazing people here and I'm grateful for all of the connections that I've made. I'm grateful for all the amazing clients that I've had that just kind of like, oh, just brighten your day. Just going, there's always something grateful for in the darkest moments, okay? It doesn't matter what it is. Even in death, there is beauty. So it's like just finding that glimmer, finding that glimmer of gratitude in every situation because there always is something, you know, and I feel like that can just like catapult you just along your entire spiritual journey, journey of life in general, because you're choosing to see the brighter side of life, you know, the brighter side of every situation. And yeah. Mm hmm. 
So I'm very fascinated with this as well. Could not agree with you more. Well said. Uh, what do you think to people? What What would your response be to people that say that that's delusional and that this whole thing is delusional and you're living in delusion? There's no truth to this. What would you say to those people? I feel like those are the people that kind of like living in their misery. And I, <laughs> and I mean, I kind of feel bad for them in a sense because life is too beautiful to be stressed out. Like, you know, you have to find some happiness in the unhappiness, okay? Like, you know, I get that all the time because a lot of people are like, oh, Kara, you're just so, like, a little fairy. Like, you're just so positive and happy, like, happy and bubbly all the time. And I'm like, because I see beauty in everything. I see beauty in everything, everyone, and it just makes life a better experience. So why not keep doing it if it makes me feel good? You know, why do things that make you feel bad? That's just, that's just weird. You know, there was a uh, position I applied for at my old job uh, that was a promotion uh, for a, for a team or whatever. Anyway, so um, somebody else was in that room and told me the reason I didn't get the job. The note from the manager, way too positive. <laughs> Can you imagine that shit? No way. No, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Uh, there is an attitude issue that people have who like to live in their misery, just like you said. They can't yeah. stand positive people. And so why would there be someone that he wants to get on his team that's that's based on misery? You know, hindsight, right? Uh, why would you get somebody that's too positive on there? That's going to screw everything up, right? Wow. Isn't that crazy? I was like, yeah. there's no way. He said I was sitting right there. He goes, that's what he wrote down. Too, way too positive. Way too positive, by the way. Not just too positive. I am far too positive. <laughs> How crazy is wow. that? Wow. I was like, Those okay. are the people that, oh, wow. Oh, man. That's just, that's really gross. <laughs> it was just an interesting observation in humanity. I was like, huh. I was like, I thought that's what we were going for here. You know, and I thought it was a, it's a customer service based yeah. industry. So I was like, so are, is this a customer complaint that we're too positive? You know what I mean? Yeah. That we're too helpful and too optimistic and uh, taking care of their needs. It's just interesting. So um, I, I am super curious because you had a video uh, that I saw about uh, protecting your energy while we sleep. So now, you know, we've got to walk around. We're mindful of energies. And then now, even when I'm unconscious and flying around, you know, in another dimension, I've got to put my body on some sort of safe mode, like the Batmobile. Remember in Batman Returns when he pushes the button yes. and it locks up? Okay. Is that kind mm -hmm. of what you're talking about? Yes, completely lock it down. I have noticed huge differences from when I forget to kind of protect my space at night than when I do. And whether it be crazy dreams or me waking up at um, around 12, like between 12 and 3 a.m. and just feeling the presence of something that's not supposed to be there, something that's very low vibrational and having to get up and stage my room when I could have just, you know, spoke the intention to, one, have a peaceful night's rest, and I always do this grid of 100% uh, source light, 100% God light. Then I put it in my room. I put it around my house just to keep my whole space protected while I'm sleeping. Because sometimes some spirits like to creep during the night, <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's just the time at night, you know, leading up to the early hours of the morning where spirit is just very active. And so you just want to make sure that you're protected. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's weird that it's, that is when the most activity happens, but that's also allegedly when we're in our deepest states of sleep. Is that REM sleep? Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you, do you think that there's a correlation there between the fact that our bodies naturally do that and that the spirit world also, the veil is super thin 
at that time? I do because I feel like since naturally, well, naturally because we are all in the astral when we're sleeping. Right. So naturally just that by itself, because you know, the energy is just like very heightened. I feel like that's what it is. A lot of us are just in the astral plane at the same time. And, um, you know, it seems, yeah, it, it seems that there's things here, uh, psychedelic states as well, uh, some sort of meditations, DMT, mm-hmm. um, but also sleep where you seem to be kind of vulnerable. It's like those, uh, okay, this is a silly example, but like, let's say a family of raccoons lives in a tree, okay? And they leave for the day, the mom leaves, all the babies go with them, so the nest is empty or a little hole in the tree is empty. And then whenever they come back, let's say wake up in the morning or come down from a psychedelic experience in this metaphor, then there's a snake in their tree. And you're like, dude, we were just gone like 10 minutes. What the hell? How'd this thing slip in here? So that's crazy that that can happen uh, in a spiritual way as well, that your energies are that like flimsy that you get like, cause you hear of things like walk-ins and stuff like that, where it just a right. spiritual take over your body. Like what the hell's going on? Exactly. And you'd be surprised at how many spirits and souls would love to have a human body, love to just be attached to one because then it's kind of like they get to live vicariously through you and enjoying some of the physical things that we do here. And sometimes those things are not, you know, the most positive, not the most positive things. So the as above, so below thing. Same thing. So snake can take over the tree. We have an example of this here. Uh, you have deadbeat partners that you're with that are just dragging you down. That's an example here. Like it's it's Ooh. the as above, so below thing. That's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And um, I know that I had this one. I've had a few experiences to where I didn't. The astral realm gets wild. Okay. I think like number one on my list for me. And this doesn't even go into my uh, my visits with extraterrestrials, but yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, so I forgot to protect my space while I was sleeping, and I was in the astral. And there's this plane between like the dream world and the physical world, and I have not figured out what that place is yet. But when I'm visited, that's the place. But I was in this place again. It's somewhere in the astral, and that's very real. And there was like UFOs outside. There was this whole landing happening. Um, these tall, I don't think they were um, Nordic, but they were about like 10 feet tall. There was just chaos going on outside of my house. And I'm just like, okay, I need to wake up. This is insane. And I woke up and even the energy in my room, it just felt like this raw energy, like whatever was happening was really happening. And I had to clear my space again. And so there's just so much going on. So I really do encourage everyone to just protect themselves while they're sleeping, you know? So I, I want to come back to that dimension for you, but I was just curious if you don't mind sharing your source light that you do. What What is your prep? So you're about to go to sleep. You're like, okay, I'm getting set up to protect my energy. Here's what mm-hmm. I would like to tell people how to do that. How do you do that? Okay. So I simply just set the intention. I just say that it is my intention to set up a grid of 100% God light um, around the inside and outside of my house for the next 24 hours. And I also have the intention of having um, very peaceful, very peaceful night's rest, you know, and waking up energized and all of these things. And sometimes I will burn my sage uh, before I go to sleep or, you know, light a candle. That's just very soothing for me to do that. Um, But yeah, intention is everything. Is there like a permanent anchor, like one to where you can just say, uh, you know, I want it forever, Z's. Like you don't have to specify, because if you can specify 24 hours and it'll hold for that long. 
Yeah. Why not just do it forever? Like do an an an, an open ended one. Do one for infinity. So I have thought about this, and I feel like. Because if you do it, if you just set the intention that it's there forever, like, yes, if you keep holding on to that intention, like throughout all day, every day that it's there, absolutely, it could work. But for me, it's like sometimes, um, sometimes I would, I would probably forget that I would even set it there. So then it's like, is it still working, even though I forgot that I did that? And then I also take into account, like, you know, the people that go like that come in and out of your house during the day. Like people just bringing, you know, their energy with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of wanting to clear it, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it'd be cool is if uh, you did have this thing like 24 hours uh, or like forever. Uh, it was just a bubble yeah. over your house. And then kind of like, let's say low vibe entities uh, come up to your house to like do something. And they just go bunk and hit it like a glass door that's closed that oh. they can't see. They just kind of bounce right off. You see their nose squish up against this inv- invisible barrier. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. You're just kind of like. Nope. I've actually seen this happen like physically. Really? So I, yeah, I did this whole protection thing around my house. Place of candles with certain like protection crystals. And there was um, a group of people that were supposed to be coming over to my house. And a few of them just did not feel comfortable to step inside of the house. They didn't know why. They just were like, they just made other plans. It, the way that it happened was so weird. But um, yeah, so it works. How interesting is that? Like you have a party coming over, you set the intention and then you'll, after the intention set and the bubbles there, that's a ripple that goes out. So they don't even need to physically encounter it to be deterred by it. They could probably call you and say, Hey, I just all of a sudden got, you know, diarrhea. So I'm not coming. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. It happens like that. It's so amazing. (laughs) What? That's so cool. Uh, this this whole thing is fascinating. I love this. Um, so let's talk about uh, plant spirit medicine. What's your um, what's your take on that? I love. So I haven't been able to do ayahuasca yet. It's definitely on my list. Um, so I've been doing hape medicine, which is um, a sacred uh, shamanic snuff, and it's based. Um, the base is tobacco, pretty much, with other sacred and medicinal plants, and. It has changed my life so much. I feel like, um, so the blend that I started out doing is called Feminine Force. And it's really just about um, embodying and just um, embodying your (laughs) divine feminine and really just having that divine authority that just a lot of feminine energy. And it was something that I was off balance with because I was really operating out of my masculine. And so the first time that I did this blend, it really like hit me. It hit me so hard. And I literally cried for like 20 minutes. I went through this whole like purge just emotionally. And a few months after that, um, because I tried to incorporate it, not every single day, but at least every other day, um, just as a meditation and the difference that it makes during the day. I found myself making decisions like very easily, swiftly, like with authority, like I was getting a lot of things done um, for my own business. I was more creative. I just had this whole like divine, like goddess presence, like then that's what it truly gave me. And I love working with plant spirits because when they actually do speak to you. And I find that so interesting because I know a lot of people who have done like ayahuasca, they say, oh yeah, like the plants speak to you. And some people are like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, no. Yes, you actually do get to communicate with these plant spirits and it is amazing, you know, and I've done my own hot paste ceremonies when I'm just in like 
uh, such a place of surrender and just upset. And they're just kind of like, kind of like pick the chin up, you know, and you just like see this beautiful Native American woman. And that's who I see sometimes when I do certain blends. And she's just in this forest with me, just talking to me. And it's just amazing. The amount of support that we actually really do have here, like in the spirit realms and just with plant spirits. And it's phenomenal. It's amazing. And do you have the apparatus where you blow it up? It's like the two-way thing? I do, my Caripe, yes. I do have it. Uh, Caripe. Caripe, okay. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Okay, yeah, and I've seen people do that. It looks terrifying, Uh, but it looks awesome. I I would totally be on board with this. I've just, uh, haven't gotten the opportunity yet, but I know I will. So um, I wanted to ask you about your books. So you've written a couple of really cool books. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I have an ebook called How to Live a Peaceful Life and Keep It That Way. And it's really just a list of, like in general, um, it's really short, it's 10 pages and um, just pretty much the foundation of what it takes to really live a peaceful life and keep it that way you know as far as setting boundaries having patience being an observer to your reality you know holding yourself accountable accountability it should have been number one but um yeah so it goes through the whole list of things and those that that is the the exact foundation of what i've used to live a peaceful life and how i've gotten there and just stuck to it um being aware of um the energy that you're consuming whether it be like through certain music or what you're watching on television and how these things are projecting you know their own story into your reality so just being aware of the energy that you are taking part in beautiful and and well said mm -hmm. well said (laughs) yeah and i'm currently writing another book that i really want to have want to see published and it's called Gaia's Medicine, and it's a book of medicinal herbs and all of their uses. And I teach you how to create teas and tinctures and make salves. And it's really an educational book. So more for my my herbalist audience. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, well, if you're looking for publishers, we could talk about that offline. I can help. Okay, awesome. For sure. Uh, so, what was your first uh, psilocybin experience like? Ooh. Okay. So. It was actually with the intention of shadow work and it was the first time that I actually took it in a tea and I actually like it better because it's easier on my stomach. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, that first experience was amazing for me. I was really going through a lot where I needed to, um, I needed to practice more self-love and I was really just willing to dive deep and that's exactly what I did. I cried for like an hour and I'm just like, why am I so hard on myself? Like (laughs) it was like 10 years of therapy and like four hours. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, And I just went through all the motions and um, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Sometimes I can't really put my, my trips into words per se, you know, because it's more of a, more of a a feeling. Yeah. I don't think we're um, supposed to. Yeah. 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 Or supposed to be able to. Yeah, it's supposed to be something you're supposed to experience, not be able to articulate, in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it always falls short. It's like that, uh, there's two, there's a silly meme, and it's like a picture of two staircases, and one has a carved horse in it, you know, in in the railing, and it's like gorgeous and ornate and just most beautiful, and it says, my trip, and then the next picture is a little My Little Pony, like, taped like shittily to the side <laughs> yeah. of some wrought iron and it said the way i described my trip yeah it, it's like yes that, right? 
that's exactly how it is. I and I know you just have the most profound experiences. And when people ask you, you just like, uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> it was colorful. Yeah. Right. It was colorful. <laughs> I laughed, but, but it was profound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I was, so. I was talking to uh, Shane Newsom on his show last night about this. And it was about how many, uh, mind-blowingly profound things you've experienced while tripping that you'll never remember do you feel that way the um now what i think to this what i what i think to this is though you do open that veil they implant and they're in there subconsciously so it kind of works like a sub program that's in there that you're unaware is running but as far as your ability to recall and articulate that profoundness without it being situationally relevant which is when it comes up uh, it seems like it's so interesting. It's like you get a bunch of secrets and then they just shut down and lock away from you. They're like, yeah, we're in here, but we're not going to tell you. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think one of the most profound experiences, um, psychedelics, on psychedelics that I've ever had, I saw, me and my friend saw it at the same time. So we had this super profound moment at the same time. And we were being shown what Earth really is and it felt like we were on a stage like on a like on a tv set or something and there was this bright light just kind of like um like studio lights shining down on us but it was the moon it was the moon being projected onto this tv set and we were all the actors and the actresses here to play out all of the drama and it just oh it went so much deeper than that and i really wish i could describe it more but it was so it made so much sense. It made so much sense. And it's like, we're all here um, taking roles of all these different characters just to, you know, obviously here to learn and things like that, but just the perspective of, you know, are we being watched by the moon? Like, you know, there was just so many things that came into my mind after that. And I'm just like, okay, what is this really, you know? Yeah, uh, this place is mysterious. So uh, let me ask you this then. What do you think is going on here with this place? What do you think it is? Mm. So I think it's a hologram. I think a lot of this is holographically projected, just the things that I've seen and um, the things that you got to experience here. It's, it's definitely a hologram. Yeah, I, I lean more toward that, too. And that's a that whole CIA paper thing. And I mean, there's so many people that talk about how crazy the moon is. So let me ask you this. What do you think uh, the moon is? A satellite. And it's hollow. And um, it was definitely towed here. I don't think that was our, you know, our original moon. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure that there are beings that live there on the dark side of the moon or inside of the moon. Um, but I definitely feel like it's a satellite. Okay, so it's a place we can get to. Um, yeah. Okay. I would say you could get there. Now, if it would look the same as the pictures, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have a, yeah, when it gets to that, it gets, it gets a little weird because, and I'm not going to say like I'm a flat earther. I just believe that everything, um, everything exists based on your perspective of it. So it's like, technically, yes. You know, around Earth, a sphere, yeah, it exists. But also, I would have to take into account, you know, other people's perspectives, like Admiral Byrd, where he actually saw above, you know, the ice, and there was actually land outside yes. of where, outside of where we are. So then it's like, okay, so if the Earth was kind of just like flat, but then kind of like, what if there were just like layers, you know, like rings outside? 
and then who's to say that there aren't rings below you know so there's a lot of different perspectives on this easily my favorite way to look at this and i'm so grateful you brought it up now i think it's funny that both you and i go now i'm not a flat earther but you know and we we start with that caveat because it it does it has such a stigma to it you know just like i'm not a conspiracy theorist i'm a conspiracy analyst it's different and Uh it's but i i do love your idea and yes based on admiral bird's uh testimony about how there was a continent larger than America is what he said, larger than North America with vast resources untouched by humanity. Now, I don't know that they was touched by something else, you know, Uh, maybe he saw that, but I'm with you. Now, this is my favorite thing when thinking about the plane or the flat earth or any of that stuff is that this is just one realm or area that we are suited to geared to operate here. But there are things outside of this that are rings of different civilizations that perhaps this is what awaits you in the next life maybe you just graduate and you're like you've gotten all your merit badges in uh the hunger games which is kind of where we are (laughs) and uh, and now you go out into this outer realm and now you're an alien now you get a spaceship and now you can kind of do some other cool stuff and even further out but that would mean in my mind too how i relate this to the et thing would be that those outer edges and rings have access to the ones before them because they've been through them vibrationally Kind of like whenever you go through a process of understanding to where you can look at something and go, oh, that's not for me because I've already been through that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. God, it's my yeah. favorite. It's my favorite way to think of this place. I'll be honest with you. That would be so much cooler than an infinite expanse oh, of. <laughs> right. That would be amazing. It's, it's Yeah. Easily my favorite way to think about it. And excellent segue, by the way. So let's talk about UFOs. So what do you think is going on with that? Oh, I think there is just a lot going on with that. Hell yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Because I feel like at this point, there are just so many beings here. Everyone's got their own type of agenda, you know. And um, I'm loving it. I've been waiting for all this to come out for so long because I was tired of just being, you know, the uh, the conspiracy theorist. So just, <laughs> oh, oh, aliens. I'm like, yeah, aliens. Like, <laughs> You know, and I've gotten to the point to where, well, I remember my first UFO when experience that I've seen, and it was actually in my neighborhood and I was driving home with my cousin and we just see this bright white orb just like sitting above the trees. It was probably like 10 feet above the trees. Like, um, and this was at nighttime. So it's like the street lights are on and there's just this huge orb of light floating above the trees. And he was like, what is that? And I was like, I don't know. So naturally was kind of pulled over like on the sidewalk got out of the car and we're just staring at it and it that's how close it was and we were just like what is that and not making any sounds or anything and we stood there for about 10 minutes and then i guess my cousin started getting freaked out he's like all right let's go because i think this is like an actual spaceship and i don't want to get abducted. <laughs> how big was it <laughs> um oof okay so as far as size kind of hard for me to gauge i would probably say mm, about i'll say like 10 feet okay like 10 feet wide just like a huge orb mm-hmm. and what's interesting is like the glow will extend past the structure so we talk about like crafts that come and land that are not uh light's not coming from inside them but it it itself is illuminating and resonating light out of it like some people say the moon does so when it lands it, it there's a structure of a craft in there now my question is is were you able to see a, the structure of anything in there or was it just a blinding yeah kind of- i wasn't able to see the structure of this one at all it was just i think it was just too bright and it was kind of like looking at a less dense 
sun. That's what we're staring at. But it was just very white, like very white light. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's there's this thing called the Oz effect when uh, high strangeness uh, occurs. It sometimes will be a part of it where you hear no sound whatsoever when strange things happen like that. Were, were you able to experience any sound, dogs barking, other cars driving by or anything, uh, leaves blowing in the wind, anything like that that you can recall? Um, there were actually some cars um, in the back. Yeah. So there were cars, but I guess they just didn't notice. But um it's not a hundred percent. It's just something that uh, the phenomena tends to uh, something that tends to be associated with the phenomena as well. And if it happens, you it's like overwhelmingly noticeable. That's why people report it so often. It's called the Oz effect. It's fascinating. So, I can definitely see how that would happen. Yes, and it, this occurs with, like I said, all like a lot of high strangeness phenomena. Bigfoots are a big one. Uh, any type of fey entities, UFOs, so paranormal. All which is interesting that the same thing happens with all of these. seemingly separate phenomena. Uh, But, uh, you know, we've kind of talked about that there's probably an underlying current to everything that ties them together in some way. So what uh, what do you think uh, ETs are, or the non-human intelligences, I'll put it that way? Um, Honestly, I feel like they're just other beings living their lives, just like how we're living our lives. And I feel like when it comes to life, it's, it's so complex. And I feel like, I just feel like, Ah, there's just so many different species of beings, you know? And when it comes to this planet in particular, I do feel like a lot of them are here to kind of help us along our evolution process so that we don't blow ourselves up and, you know, that be the end of humans because I think humans are pretty cool. And from my understanding of what a lot of this is, is that um, one, humans are very powerful and we were we have all of their DNA as well. So I think we're like twelve strands of um, different extraterrestrial DNA. Cool. And oh, cannot wait for that to come out. CIA <laughs> is just sitting on it. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's so cool, and I really want to see us come to a place to where we can actually accept all of these other forms of intelligent life and actually have a very benevolent experience and be. And I feel like it opens the door for so much more because. Who's to say that we can't, you know, travel to other planets and have like our own, um, like, like for education reasons, like just to experience something else, just to have that um, broader perspective of what life really is, because life is so much more than just this planet and humans, you know, so... I could not agree with you more. And that's something that we kind of uh, crave, you know, is this idea that, oh, well, UFOs will come, disclosure, uh, all that good stuff. And then we'll get this technology and then there'll be this like utopia here. I'm not necessarily convinced that we're allowed to have access to that type of existence, really. I think that this place, this, and that's why I describe this area as like the Hunger Games, because it is very dense here. And uh, a lot of people talk about this idea. And so in my mind, whenever I hear that, I'm thinking that it's probably not going to be like fixed because there's nothing to fix, if that makes sense. Yes, we would like yeah. things to be different, but really the way this place works, it's uh, perfect in a sense. And it, that kind of sucks. That was a hard pill to swallow, kind of, you know, to, to think mm-hmm. of things like that, like that there are mysteries out there that are supposed to remain mysterious for that element of the experience. Like that's just shit we can't figure mm-hmm. out. So it's that's like... A, yeah. So it's like, is that energy of just that there are mysteries around? And I think this is why, like you said earlier, whenever you start to figure things out, it only opens a million more questions. And really, your experience starts at a pinpoint and then just further expands out into options. So now you have all these different options. 
and it just keeps going and going and growing and growing. <laughs> That's the expansive universe I think that they're talking about. Not a physical place that's expanding, but the ideas and concepts that as you approach them more manifest in front of you. Now, rather the fact that you got close to them is the reason the universe or something had to conjure up some sort of next level. You know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's part of what the mysteries are is the closer you get to them, more mysteries have to manifest so that it retains that element of this experience to be mysterious. So you can't figure everything out. Exactly. And I feel like in regards to even um, extraterrestrial species, they experience the same thing. Right. They don't know why we're here either. They just know that they are. So it's like this continuous learning experience and growing experience, mystery after mystery after mystery. And it's just, that's it. It's like, <laughs> you know, so in, in a sense, we're all on the same journey, but in a different way. That's so interesting. You know, and Bob Lazar said something in his interview with Jeremy Corbell on uh, Rogan, and it was about, uh, I just saw this clip played in a, a movie called Dreamland, uh, an amazing movie, uh, movie by a good comedian Brian Moreno. So anyway, uh, he played that clip in there, and it was something I was thinking about too that was very interesting, that Bob Lazar said that Element 115, which was a super stable element, allegedly, that he back-engineered from a UFO at S4. Um, and so... What, how he explained it, though, was is that if it's it's so different that it's um, a stable element not found here, but then we, they were able to release it here years after Lazar's uh, alleged encounter, which is interesting, um, that now it's something that we have on Earth, but it wasn't before. But what he explained as that stable element, he said that maybe they use that because where they're from, it's, it's everywhere. Like, it's just the thing. Mm-hmm. And they happen to utilize that as a fuel source or an energy source for some sort of travel, whether it's right. interdimensional, interstellar, whatever, but that that was what was available to them. So when they come here, I think the words he used was they, he, they see us burning things and spitting stuff out of the back to go forward. And they're fascinated by it because that's what we use. Right. So yeah. it's that perspective right there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's mind blowing. Right. So you're just like, they're just as curious about us. So like, why are they, why are these monkeys doing that? That's crazy. Hang on. They have yeah. these things called trains. <laughs> like, what is that all about? You know, it's just, it's yeah. weird how they look at us. They're probably just as fascinated. Mm-hmm. I, for sure. There's a lot of fascination when it comes to earth because somehow I have a feeling that this planet is not just any ordinary planet. Agreed. I feel like it's a melting pot. First of all, um, I feel like that kind of leads into another conversation, but, um, I feel like this planet is a melting pot. Everyone's just here to learn about earth because there's something about earth that has to be that fascinating, you know? Yeah. We go hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Probably the, such a broad range of polarity here, you know, like why do humans think the way that they do? A lot of times it's way more complicated than what it needs to be, you know, (laughs) from, you know, (laughs) from other beings perspective, you know? It's an interesting thing. And, you know, some people talk about that we've fractured so much, this unity consciousness idea to where we're all one experiencing itself subjectively, that we've fractured so much that these, uh, I guess, desperate attempts, this insanity going on that from our perspective looks very unbalancing, but that's what, that's its point. It's supposed to shake you up like your um, observation and shadow work. It's supposed to rock you. And so as perhaps a mechanism of reassimilating itself into itself, you know what I mean? And that's why it gets so dense and things get so crazy, but it does help. You've noticed it uh, with this awakening process. You even said there's a shift in the air and we all feel it. It could be, you know, a mechanism of that. Mm-hmm. So I want to know about uh, the time that you were visited by uh, some interesting 
creatures. Will you tell us about that? <laughs> the time I was visited by the grave. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So, oh, funny story. So, um, I bought this baby gray, like baby doll from Amazon because I thought it'd be cute to have an alien baby doll. You know, why not? And um, I named her Maya. And I took her with me everywhere and put like little cute clothes on her, all of this for about like two weeks. And it was interesting because my mom just kind of looked at me one day. She was like, I just have this weird feeling that she's like, they're going to visit you. And I was just like, yeah, okay, mom, whatever. Went to sleep that night. <laughs> and I, so it wasn't sleep paralysis because I've experienced that before and it's, it's very uncomfortable, but it did feel like I was, um, I was trying to wake up and I couldn't. And I just kind of, have you seen what CERN looks like? It kind of looks like a portal with just like lights around it. And then on the inside, there's even more light around it kind of thing. That's how it looked, but they were kind of yellow, yellowish light. And it kept spinning. Like the one on the inside was kind of spinning clockwise. One on the outside was spinning the opposite way. And I remember just thinking, this is very uncomfortable. Like I need to wake up. I don't like the feeling. So when I did wake up, I was in my room again and I just kind of looked towards the end of the bed and there is this gray standing at the end, like the edge of my bed and like just staring at me. Oh, and I, <laughs> I freaked out. I was like, Oh my God. And I, um, I grabbed my phone and this was in that in between. I don't know what this area is between the dream realm and the physical, but it's this very real, real plane like in the astral but everything's happening for real I, that's the only way how i that's the only way i can explain it and um i grabbed my phone and i called my best friend and i'm like there's a gray in my room and um uh yeah so what ended up happening was i looked to my side and there's like this little toddler gray like with his hands like on my bed just kind of looking at me and i think the um the taller one that was standing at the edge of my bed, he started to get a little anxious and freaked out. So he ran and he left something on my dresser and then ran out through the wall. He ran through the wall of my room out of the window. And so I'm like, oh my God, this being just walked through the wall. There was so much I was trying to process. And I looked over to my my dresser and I saw what he left there, and it was this um, ceramic statue of a human hand holding a grave hand, just like holding hands. And I remember that it said something about the hybrid children program. I forgot exactly, but it said hybrid children, something. And I turn around, and there are these two other people in my room saying that they were sent to me for me to heal them. Now, they were, um, they looked human but they were telling me that they were some type of some type of hybrid and they needed me to heal them because they heard that I was a healer. And I was confused because I didn't really know what to do with that information. And so a couple minutes after that, I really just, I just woke up and um, I had to process all of this because I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. What a hard flex for your business though. You know, I heal aliens. I heal alien hybrids. They come to me. <laughs> right. you know, uh, it'd be cool if they could give you some sort of reference. That, that's really, really cool. So yeah. many questions. 
So many questions. Okay. So when you saw the entity at the end of your bed, the taller one, um, is did you see what you remember seeing? Was it just pretty stereotypical gray? So this gray had a smaller head. I know a lot of times when you see like a gray, so like a big head, big round head with big bug eyes. This one had a smaller head, was kind of oval, smaller head, still had um, big eyes, but they were like a little, uh, a little slanted. Um, yeah. Um, and it was physically gray in color, like a an off mm-hmm. blue or something. Yeah, yeah, like an off bluish uh, gray type of color very skinny it was probably um because you're standing like in front of my altar space so he was probably about like four six four six gear take it's interesting because like even in the travis walton account they were smaller headed beings but they were like pink or a beige in color uh even um whitley streber talks about this in his book communion they weren't really gray they were kind of a different off color uh, and the yeah. publisher made him change the cover of the book anyway uh they didn't think that that was interesting enough so which i find very interesting uh uh what was i going to ask you okay but what's interesting about this too is a lot of people say you, you mentioned the slant eyes now would you say that they were more large and oval shape or more i mean do this as respectfully as possible there's a lot of people that say that a lot of the entities they see would pass as asians on the street like you they could walk among everyone and just be blend in with asians now we hear this about pleiadians and stuff too but one yeah. of the more common occurrences would be this asian style entity and what do you was it something like that or nope full on extraterrestrial if yeah if this being was walking in a crowd like everyone would be freaked out okay okay (laughs) yeah so you know i Okay, so now I'm curious about the little one. Uh, the little one seemed to be, I mean, obviously with, it's some sort of like take your kid to work day, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, it just looked like a little toddler. Um, the bigger head, um, very like big bug eyes just with like really skinny fingers. Um, Do you remember how many? Hands just on the bed. Four. Four fingers. Four fingers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like four here and then a thumb or for total just, no thumb. Just four, yeah. See, just yeah, and you've fingers. heard that too. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he's kind of like little bloop bloop. We just have to drop this statue off real quick. Just don't touch anything. You know, your mother will be home <laughs> later. It's like, God, I got a babysitter called in. I bet they have the same oh kind of problems, what do you think? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I would like that. It's the baby, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't get a sitter. She called in. So, but I got to do this, you know, Um, union. Uh, So do you still have the statue? Was it a physical thing left or was it just something that you. No, I woke up and I checked and I looked at it and it wasn't even there. I was so hoping that it was going to be there. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have proof. (laughs) Damn, yeah. Yeah, no. So do you, do you think you're a hybrid of any kind? Yes. Do you really? I haven't narrowed it down, but ever since I was a kid, I, there was just a lot because, you know, and I don't have anything against, you know, like religion or Christianity or whatever, but I grew up in a very Christian like household. And I remember being like a little kid, li- like sitting up in my bed at night, just thinking about how expansive the universe is, just thinking about how there's all these stars, which means that there has to be so many, like more planets and more universes. But then it's like the things that I was being taught was like contradicting the, what I was feeling, you know? And so I was a little conflicted, but I've always felt more um, just attracted to, 
outer space and just having that feeling that I just don't belong here. And I never really fit in, you know, growing up. And so there was always just, I always knew that I really wasn't from here, which when it comes down to it, no one's really from this planet, (laughs) you know? So we're all star seeds, hybrids of all, all kinds. We've been all over the place. And it's just, I feel like some people are more aware of it than others. Could not agree more. Um, have you had any other interactions with any non-human intelligences? Um, yes. So I was actually going through um, this workbook called the, I believe it's the Pleiadian workbook. And there's a lot of different exercises and meditations. And the whole book is really about shadow work. And so there's a lot of um, different meditations that I was doing. And I was actually visited by a Pleiadian woman in the same space, the same astral realm um because there was this meditation that i would have to do in the morning as the sun was rising facing the east just kind of focusing on the sun and sun's energy right and so um i woke up and it's like she was waiting for me she was kind of leaning on the wall like an older woman um blondish gray hair and she was telling me that the meditation that i was doing um energetically i wasn't getting everything that i was supposed to get out of it because of the energy that was coming like from like from my brother's room so my brother's room is like across from mine so she told me that i needed to clear his energy field and she was like you have a rattle and i said no i don't have a rattle and it was funny because i have sound bowls scattered all over my room and she kind of picked up one of the (laughs) the sticks to play the sound bowl and she kind of tried to shake it i'm like that's it's like that, that's not it and so out of nowhere i just kind of found this rattle the astral right everything's possible and so <laughs> i got this rattle and all of a sudden my brother is standing by my window and she told me to start at his crown chakra and just kind of work my way down and clear his energy field so i did and so my brother is on the spectrum for, um, of, of autism he's high functioning autism So sometimes his energy is kind of like all over the place, you know, and the next day his energy was completely changed. He was so mellow and my mom actually came to me and she was just like, is your brother okay? Like, did he, did he take something? I was like, no, well, I cleared his energy in the astral. So he's gone. Like the Canadian showed up. She told me how to clear his energy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no big deal. Uh, she thought it was a stick, so I had to manifest a rattle. You right. know, beings—they just don't get it. Uh, they drive. Right. You, know. you know, they can't know everything. I guess. Man, so, that's interesting. Yeah, like they have like the secrets to the universe, but they don't know the difference between a stick and a rattle. Like that kind of stuff blows my mind. It's like when you know everything. You know, to me, right. I just kind of think you that they—they know everything. But just as what we were talking about earlier. There are things here they don't experience. This is why I think that the Grazer uh, entities are so obsessed with like buttholes and genitalia and stuff like that. Because number one, they don't <laughs> they don't have it, and number two, it's kind yeah. of it's it's a portal for us to bring life and to create life in this place, right? And so, yeah. in my mind, it's something just as fascinating as us burning fossil fuels to them. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, we can't do this. Why are they always like rubbing these bits together and what's going on? And then baby shoots out. Wait, hang on. That's a portal to life. Exactly. They, they're obsessed with it. And this is why like cattle mutilation stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. So interesting that they just, I mean, we're all just learning, right? We're all just kind of walking each other home. It's yeah. so interesting. Absolutely. <laughs>
Kira, I, we definitely have a lot more to talk about, but I think we're going to cap it on this one, darling, because we just, uh, you've blown my mind so much. I have a lot to process here. Uh, again, I just seem to love this because this is the way the universe works, finding you. And now, of course, Soul Sister, your soul tribe for sure. We, um, oh, for sure. Just blow my damn mind with this. And you've, you've uh, yeah. given me a lot to think about and integrate here. And so I'm grateful for that. And I know the audience is as well. So uh, all the ways, of course, uh, to find you, darling, your um, TikTok, your website, and your Instagram, and whatever else you want will be located down in the show notes. So I'll check that out for sure. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for, the, for your time. And we will definitely be doing this again soon. Absolutely. I look forward to it. This is a lot of fun. Want to take a moment and thank Kiera for coming over and hanging out with us on the show. The Zen Elephant and all the other ways to find her are going to be located down in the show notes, guys. So make sure that you check her out. Thank you so much, Kira. It was an absolute delight. So also down in the show notes is our affiliate link. So Food Forest Abundance, get your freedom from fear on Libsyn's down there. If you want to start your own podcast with that link, you get two months free. That's who I host through. So that's who I recommend. Also, Amazon, if you're going to buy any damn thing at all on Amazon, go ahead and run it through our affiliate link. It just helps the show. That's it's as simple as that. Also, Opus, uh, the organization for paranormal understanding and support is located down there. I'm helping uh, Lester quite a bit. I'm getting very involved in that organization. I'm truly grateful to be a part of it. So if you guys have any paranormal experiences, that is the uh, link to check down there as well. They're incredible. And y'all know Lester. He's been on the show. Great friend. Absolutely amazing organization. Also, guys, if you'd like to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com, located down in the show notes as well. Now, that is going to be the links for all socials, merchandise, Rockfin, the lives that we do over there are replayed there, are too hot for YouTube stuff, as well as if you'd like to help the show, you can become an expansive insider over there and sign up for all the bonus stuff that we do. And like I said, it helps the show and it's super cool. So y'all go out into this beautifully amazing place, whatever the hell it is, and y'all pick up a piece of litter. Go ahead and get out of the left-hand lane because that's a pain in the ass if you got somebody behind you wanting to pass. Uh, you know, smile. It's it's not hard. Smile at everybody you come across, open doors. You can really shift the vibration just with a simple mindfulness thing like that like just pick up a piece of litter uh buy somebody like uh hey let me get that coffee for you you know no big deal massive massive difference in the collective go out into this beautiful place guys above all and anything else and y'all just be good to one another thank you so much for listening we will see you next time